Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. And on today's podcast, episode 102, we're talking about practicing. Oh, yes, the challenges, the strategies. There's a lot of fantastic resources out there. I've got some free downloads and lots of great ideas. Now, before I get started, I want to let everyone know that today's episode is brought to you by the newly updated Private Music Teacher Planner and Agenda. It's got a new 2020-21 yearly planning calendar and 200 pages of music teacher organizational bliss. Please check it out. You can find a link in the show notes. Now, on to our conversation. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. It only took me 102 episodes to get the courage to dive into this topic, which is practicing. Practicing. Oh, my goodness. It is the universal challenge of of every private music teacher out there. It is not just a singing teacher problem. It's not just a piano teacher problem. Oh my gosh, it is so it is so challenging. There are many reasons why our students and our families are struggling with setting routines and finding the time to go over their music. Now, um, I've got lots of uh, strategies and I've got some great resources to recommend. I've even got some free downloads um, that might be useful. Um, And I've been bouncing around the internet. There's some great resources out there online. A lot of them uh, are free. Um, So I'm going to share some of those with you today as well. Now, with these type of podcasts where I don't have a fabulous guest, I always like to start with a question, just something to get you thinking. So simple question. We've been uh, we've been kind of in the trenches for those of us in the northern hemisphere. We started in September. We've been in the trenches for a couple of months. So how is it going? How are your students doing? Are, are your students practicing? Are, are your students coming to lessons well prepared and ready to learn? Are your students enjoying singing activities at home? Or are you struggling? Are they struggling? Are you frustrated? Oh, it happens. Now, we're at the point in this season, if you're listening to this podcast at time of release, it's mid-November. And FYI, we got blasted on Monday. I've already had to teach online lessons because the weather was so yucky. And I have to say, I'm a little terrified. This is the earliest snow day I have ever had. I've never had to cancel lessons in November, and especially not the beginning of November. So... I'm a little worried. I'm sending out an email to my families, just giving them the heads up that online lessons may be part of their reality in the next few months. Anyhow, for those of you who are listening to this at time of of release, we're getting into a busy recital season for many of us, for those doing holiday recitals. Um, so how, how are things going? Are your students practicing? Are they prepared and ready to sing, uh, at the recital? And here's my other question. Question one B, 
what do you do? How do you handle it? If you've got students that are behind or students that do not come in prepared, what do you do? Do you talk to the families? Do you threaten them? Do you, what do you do? Well, there's lots of ways that we can approach it. I'm going to share some of the best practices that I have gleaned from my colleagues and from many resources that I've found and uh, hopefully offer some inspiration and some some guidelines. Now, the first thing I do want to say, and I was also talking to my husband about this because my husband taught guitar, mandolin, bass for over 30 years. He's now retired from the teaching business. Um, but I was asking him about, you know, do you, did you ever get upset when your students did practiced? And he said, yes, in his early days, he did. He used to, it used to offend him greatly. So one of the things I have learned over many years and many, um, uh, experiences is that I am not going to take it personally. If a family chooses other activities that take priority over my teaching studio, that does not reflect on me. That is not because of me. That is because they are, their interests lie elsewhere. Now I have uh, I have some incredible athletes in my teaching studio. I have several students that are working towards getting their black belts in karate, and they are at the dojo minimum four or five times a week. I have a student who is probably going to be going to the Olympics in cycling, and she trains extensively. Um, and I, I have students that are in rep sports, and I have students that are in dance who if there was an eighth day of the week they would be dancing on that day and so I do my best with these students to facilitate lessons in a way um, and make sure that um, to the best of my ability when they are participating in recitals that they are ready and prepared Um, but I know parents really well parents are an active part of my studio They are in lessons regularly. I have conversations face-to-face with them. So I can talk to families about where they're at and what they need from me or what they don't need from me. And it works out quite well. I'm not losing any sleep if a student is busy with other activities. Now I have a little... A checklist here that I use for my responsibilities. So things that fall on my shoulders about establishing routines and helping students with the practicing. Um, and I think that um, these are just general guidelines. And if you have been teaching for a while, I'm sure you have some of these, if not all of them, um, set up. Now, the first one is uh, I try to, at the the best of my ability to be clear with my expectations. And I do have uh, in my lesson studio policies, a place where I talk about what my expectations are and showing up prepared, bringing your music book, singing at home. Um, The other thing that's in my policy, especially for those of you that working with young children, is my expectations for the parents to be in the lesson studio studio 
For my young students, this is so important. They do not have the organizational skills and they need mom and dad to help set up these routines. And mom and dad need my help to make sure that they, they've got everything under control and, and they have all the resources that they need. So number one, be clear with expectations in your policies. And then that leads to my next point, which is face-to-face communication and discussions about how practicing is done in their home. Now, I'm going to be specific about this. I'm talking about the devices and how they're setting their student up in a practicing space at home. Every family is different. They use different technologies. Some students have access to this technology. Some students do not. Some students, if they're using iPads, many of my younger students have iPads, but the iPads get taken away if they are being punished or they're not doing their homework. Many of my families don't want their kids on devices, so I want to make sure that if we are using them for practicing, that they understand that it's not a game. We're, we're using this as a tool. Um, and, and this kind of conversation is really important because, again, if you're sending the wrong type of file or a students aren't, is if the students can't access the, the um, equipment, um, practicing is not going to happen. So understanding how families use technology and how they'll be setting up practicing in the home Uh, We need to have a conversation about that so I know how I am to facilitate the materials that they need. Now, number three, this is also important and common sense, but you still have to spell it out for your students and for your families. But that is to model practicing in your teaching studio. So how you set your students up with the music stand, do they stand beside the piano, where if they're using backing tracks, how loud is the music, Um, the way you set students up in your studio, and then bringing their attention to this, this is how you practice at home, can you set yourself up like this or as close to this as possible at home, Um, you would think it's common sense. It's not. I did Skype lessons last year because of a snowstorm and discovered that many of my students did not have music stands, were not set up with any kind of productive system whatsoever in their homes, and we had to fix a lot of things. So number three, model healthy practicing in your teaching studio. The other thing I would mention to this is communicate exactly how practicing is to be done. How many times will you be singing that song? I like a minimum of three. I always tell my students, don't sing your songs once. That's all, that's barely warming up. Make sure you do a minimum of three repetitions and you're focusing on this, this, and this. And then number four, and this is, this is important. As the year progresses, check in with your families and check out, check in with your students, obviously, but make sure you check in with mom and dad. Things change. Schedules change. Interests change. So if your students are 
experiencing some stress at school or they um, are, are, are experienced, they, they're really just not motivated. If you can, you can prevent a lot of pain and suffering later on with maybe a student quitting, if you can address it and check in and then talk to parents about how you can work with them and help them. So checking in with your families is so important. So that's kind of my top four guidelines that I kind of use to make sure that everybody is on the same page and seeing progress. Now, I want to kind of just go through the ages because there are different challenges for our students depending on their age. So for those of you who are working with young beginners, and now many of you may be working with um, young kids in small group classes. I have two wonderful small group classes. My first one uh, ages five, yes, five to seven. And my other class, the singing club class, uh, they are seven to nine. Yes, seven to nine. Now, if you follow me on Instagram at the full voice, you can see the behind the scenes and a lot of the fun stuff that I do with my small group classes on my Instagram account. I like to share all of that stuff. Now, with my introductory classes, my singing classes, um, again, it's a little different. Parents are not in the room. I don't have space for the parents to see what's going on, but I do send email uh, lesson class recaps. So I'm always communicating with the parents and letting them know what we're working on so that parents can ask good questions. Um, sometimes just talking to their students, their students, their children about some of the things that they're learning in class can be very helpful. Um, and it can, uh, it can help uh, the children feel supported. Uh, I don't ask my students to necessarily practice anything. Uh, even the music that we are learning in class is all done in class. Remember, we are dealing with children who are in kindergarten and grade one. So at this age, they're not being given homework um, so our lessons, our classes are play-based. So my goal is, is to encourage them to sing and play some of the singing games at home. That is it. And all of the song learning and rehearsing is done in the class and with my guidance and support. Now for my private students, and I have private students as young as eight this year. So I, oh, I've had students as young as seven, six and seven. But this year I have eight-year-olds. And again, um, my first objective and my first goal is to ensure and inspire that they are happy and comfortable to sing at home. This is the first step. And the, one of the things that I insist, and I've talked about it in this, this podcast, moms and dads have to be in the lesson. My students have to be comfortable singing for mom and dad. Any student that is not comfortable singing for their parents or their families will not practice successfully at home. 
So again, my first objective is happy singing at home. And that means um, having them sing for mom and dad in the lesson and uh, making sure that they are confident in the song. Um, So again, when I am teaching songs to children, uh, a lot of the work, well, all of the work is done in the lesson and they need to have the support. So if we are learning the melody, I will record the melody on the parent's phone, or if they're not present, I will record it on my phone and send to the parents. And then I will also make sure that they have um, a copy of the accompaniment so that they can practice at home. But before they do that at home, I have to make sure that they are confident in doing that in the lesson. They have to be able to sing through the song without any assistance from me in order to feel comfortable at home. So again, sometimes we overwhelm our students and our expectations are not in line with where they are and what they are able to do without our guidance. Now, I have to tell you, I'm so thrilled. I have two moms in my teaching studio who are accomplished piano players And um, one of the moms is so, so sneaky. I adore her. So she will sit at the piano and she will get, uh, and and her daughter will actually hide the books on her, but she knows where she hides them. So she'll go and find her singing books and um, she knows what songs we're working on. And she'll sit at the piano and she'll just play the accompaniment for the tunes. And it usually takes a few minutes, but then um, her daughter is is quite interested in singing along. And that's kind of her sneaky way of getting her to practice is by just not even asking her to come and sing, but just, ooh, I like this song. This is fun. And she starts to play it. Anyhow, I, I, if you have wonderful uh, collaborative pianists as parents, it's so, it's so helpful. Now, I know that that is rarely the situation, but... I just wanted to share that with you because it's just a joy. And I have to tell you, my student with the collaborative pianist mom uh, is is learning so much. She is progressing so quickly. She has memorized more songs. And I actually have to work really hard to keep her engaged because she's so, she's so well rehearsed. It's just quite lovely. Anyhow, with our beginners and our littles, they need mom and dad's support. They need uh, to feel comfortable singing at home. And um, that, that is, that takes some time. The other thing that I do not ever do with my young singers is assign theory homework. Um, We tested, thoroughly tested the full voice workbooks. And when we were, when we were doing, it was either the second or the third edition, we were trying to come up with at home activities and kind of like a homework section. And it failed miserably. We, we went back to the drawing board and took them out of the workbooks because many of our students were struggling with the at home work. Beginners are just learning the language of music. They need to work on the music theory, the writing part of things in the lesson. And no, it is not a waste of lesson. These are important foundational skills. So I don't assign homework, uh, theory homework for my young students. 
and I don't ever assign technical studies for my kiddos. Um, I might encourage them to have fun with some lip trills, uh, but I don't ask them to sing scales or arpeggios or triads. Again, those are done in the studio. Um, now, if I know that I have parents who are musical and they want to do that, I encourage it. But for most of my students, that is not something that they're going to practice successfully. So I am not going to put that on their to-do list. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hi, everyone. Erin here with your My Music Staff Minute. Teaching private lessons can be a lonely experience. You see your students one-on-one, -on -one, without students and parents ever seeing or engaging with each other, outside of a few recitals each year. Consider starting a private Facebook group that's linked to your studio's business page, exclusively for your regular families. A private Facebook community provides you with a way to directly have a conversation with your core customers. Students and parents can engage with the studio and each other and share their enthusiasm. Families can lean on each other for ideas and help, as well as seek lesson swaps if needed. You can share different types of content while keeping certain things off of your main page where leads or inactive students might be looking. Sharing photos and videos from lessons or recitals are a great way to connect families with each other. Parents love seeing the successes of their children and are more likely to engage with your content if their child is featured. Don't be afraid to start the conversation either. Share upcoming studio information as well and monitor the feedback. If your next recital will be a themed performance, create a poll asking what theme your families want to see. Did you find an interesting article related to music or certain techniques? Share with the community. Monitor your Facebook community's engagement with your posts and other members' posts to obtain valuable, genuine feedback about your studio. If students have questions about your policy or a suggestion to make things run smoother, let them know you're listening. Don't be afraid to explain why your policies are in place or acknowledge what your families are suggesting to tweak your policies. Show your community that you are listening by using feedback to create helpful content. This will strengthen your relationship with your students and build a connected community of studio families. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at mymusicstaff.com. And stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Now I want to move into um, later elementary students. And again, we're, we're talking about students maybe in grade three, four, um, approaching middle school. They get involved in more and more activities. And again... Going back to the beginning of the podcast, it is what it is. I don't take it personally, but I do have to understand when um, when time time management is a challenge because students literally are busy. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are overscheduled. Um, that is a subjective thing. Uh, there are some families that are incredibly organized and the families manage quite well with their, with their extracurriculars. Um, I have, like I was telling earlier, I have some really busy kids, but, um, when I get into this age group, again, I check in with families. I like to have an idea of, of what they're dealing with. We talk about their 
goals as uh, music students. And at this age, um, sometimes some of my singers might be interested in examinations. And of course, that requires uh, more dedication, I think. And, and, and again, definitely have to be practicing the materials. And now there, of course, there are technical studies that need to be practiced at home as well. So again, understanding how students are practicing at home, what devices they are using, and what my expectations are, how quickly I expect them to memorize things. And again, holding them accountable. And when my students are struggling, again, having a, having a conference with uh, families is super helpful. Uh, the more we understand what the family schedule and what their priorities and what their goals are, it really helps us to determine how much uh, practicing is required and um, supporting them through that. Now, with my high school students, um, again, schedules uh, are changing and a lot of my high school students struggle with the transition from middle school to high school. The amount of homework and assignments is much more than they have ever experienced and this often causes them some anxiety. And of course, uh, examinations at school and results at school can bring in a lot of stress. Now, we've talked about uh, in several podcasts, um, uh, the one um, with about changing voices with Patty Barrow, and she was talking about it's not just the voices and the stresses that the boys are going through. Um, and then we also talked about this with Nancy Boz in the uh, when she was discussing her book about the girls' teens singing guide. Um, our high school students have a lot of pressure on them. They have a lot of responsibilities that they um, are navigating. And again, I don't want to add to their stress. I want to be, uh, I, well, first of all, I want my studio to be a safe space. I want singing to bring them joy. And uh, if we are working on goals, I want to make sure that it aligns with um, everything that they're doing at home and again, facilitating with parents like a team player, not as an outsider in the process. So important. Now, the one thing I will say, if, if my students are interested in auditioning for post-secondary music programs, the uh, stakes are much higher and that the, my, 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 my supportive, um, you know, do the best you can attitude disappears and it's business time. Uh, many uh, of our young people, many of the families do not understand how challenging it is to get into post-secondary music programs. Like many other courses, they assume that it is based on their high school marks and they are unaware of all the extra stuff like theory, um, like maybe piano skills may be required to get into their the program that they are looking for. So any student that comes to me that is preparing for any kind of university program has a completely different set of guidelines and expectations. And if I don't see them working um, uh, well 
with these guidelines, then I have mom and dad in lessons on a regular basis and we have conversations. And sometimes the conversation, uh, as awkward as it is, is I don't see you practicing enough. There's not enough commitment here for you to be successful in a music program. So again, students at young students need to recognize that the amount of practicing will be much greater. Um, and, and that is, that can be a challenge. So again, lines of communication open, uh, very clear, detailed guidelines of what is being practiced and how it is being practiced and progress is very carefully monitored. So that is for my students who are preparing for, uh, auditions for post-secondary. Um, on top of all of that as well, um, students who are preparing for post-secondary will also have an, an enormous amount of theory homework, which again is is important and has to be completed. So lots of challenges there. But again, lines of communication open with families and uh, you should be successful. Now, one of the wonderful resources that I love, 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 especially for this age group and for my young adults and for all of my adult singers. Um, Nancy Boz has an amazing singer's practice plan, log and journal. It's a wonderful book. It is such a great tool for the teaching studio and for your students. My high school students and my adult students uh, use these books they love using these books. Now, I have to say some of my high school students do not like writing anything down. They're all about their phones. I have one student who just does not want to use the planner. Uh, and as frustrated as I am, I have to respect that that is not something that is a useful tool for her. But what we do do is use her phone and I tell, we tell Siri, she tells Siri now, uh, to set reminders and she has an online calendar that she prefers to use. As long as there is an organizational method being used, I'm okay with that. So um, sometimes our students uh, can be, uh, can use some help with how they use technology. I find, I, I always joke with my students, you know, you should use your device for good instead of evil and really utilize it as a tool that can help you, whether it's recording a video of you singing so you can study it, whether it's recording the audio of your lessons or the recordings of your lessons when we're learning a new exercise or we're learning a new song. I find sometimes students are reluctant to use their own devices and I do address that usually with a very stressed out concerned look on my face and a furrowed brow like why can't you record this on your phone um, but we get through it so um, Nancy Boz's singers practice plan and log and journal it's available on Amazon it's very inexpensive there's different colors wonderful tool check it out I'm going to put links in the show notes now, when it comes to my adult students, again, if I'm dealing with professional vocalists, they, I, that's usually not 
an issue. My professional vocalists tend to have very specific goals and um, practicing usually isn't an issue for that demographic. However, with avocational students, adult students, um, there can be some challenges when it comes to practicing. And, and usually when I am accepting students, adult students, I, I always ask what kind of singing opportunities they have. So are they singing in a choir? Are they preparing for a solo at church? I I'd like to know if my students are working towards a specific goal, um, especially performance wise, because that's the motivation. <laughs> that's the motivation for practicing is they have a reason to practice. And now I think that applies to all students, but for our adults, um, I am always essentially gearing them up and, and getting them ready for some sort of performance. So again, practicing usually is self-motivated for the most part. Um, I do I do hesitate when um, an adult reaches out to me and they don't have any opportunities to perform. So I encourage them and I, I do all sorts of like karaoke nights with my adults and um, like very... F- community friendly opportunities where they at least get that opportunity to practice. So again, with my adults, they have to have a reason. They have to have a goal set. Students that don't have any goal set or just tell me they want to get better for themselves. I often find that they don't stay in lessons for very long because they recognize that they're not practicing because they don't have a reason to. So um, that's just a little guideline. But I like uh, my adults to set their own goals, uh, and um, and I love helping them achieve those goals. So now, I want to talk about um, some of the challenges. So we've talked about students, and we recognize that families and students often have time constraints. When you have students that are struggling with practicing, so the question one of the questions is do you do you get rid how do you get rid or do you get rid of a student that's not practicing for me not practicing isn't necessarily the deal breaker i will start to open up the lines of communication if i see the student is not enjoying themselves Um, if the student is coming to lessons completely unprepared, they never bring their books, um, they aren't practicing, like there, if there is, if there is misery involved in the lesson, uh, I will talk to families and I will try to get to the bottom of it. Now, sometimes it's things that, um, are temporary and maybe they just need, you know, they need a little bit of a break or I'm not going to pressure them. Uh, sometimes they they need a big break and they might discontinue lessons. I like to, to talk to parents and families and students before it gets to that point. So again, checking in regularly, you know, talking to families, making sure that you they get the help. With my students that have time constraints and with my students that maybe aren't 
practicing as much as I would like them to. My main concern is getting them ready for any performances. And I will um, make sure that they are practicing a lot within the lesson. So I may um, change my lesson plans a little bit and slow down the lesson plans so that the student can um, uh, focus on singing their songs in the lesson enough that I feel that they are confident for a recital. Now, students that are struggling with recital music, and I have concerns about whether or not it will be a perf like a positive experience. Moms and dads have to be involved. And I usually will do mini recitals in the lesson so they can see where they are at. And that usually inspires families to get back on board the practice train. But uh, that's kind of a little strategy. So some students need more in-lesson practicing. And I'm okay facilitating that. Ah, okay. I think... I think I'm, I'm looking through all my pages here. All right. I think that's where I'm going to finish off. I, I There's a, actually three more pages here, but I'm not going through that. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope that in your teaching studio, uh, your expectations and your, your guidance for helping students practice um, is, uh, is, is positive. And again, Instead of using the P word, I will say things to my families like, are you enjoying singing at home? Does singing at home spark joy? <laughs> I do say that sometimes. Is, is singing at home something you do that helps you relax or it, it may, it's a nice break. If you're studying for an exam, can you, can you sing through a song a couple of times? Cause, cause that could be a really good break. I want to inspire my students to find the joy in their singing and in their practicing. Um, recently, with some of my students, I was saying, uh, my my older students, I who are you know on their devices a lot, I wanted to encourage them, and I said, you know, I want to challenge you guys this week. Can you turn the device off maybe a half hour sooner and spend some time singing? Could singing maybe be? one of the, the things you do at the end of your day to wrap up your day, kind of in a meditative, relaxing way. So again, just trying to think, get them to think outside of, you know, practicing as a chore, but practicing is something that's enjoyable. Singing at home. And again, a lot of times I just don't even use the practicing word. Are you singing at home? Did you sing at home? Did you have fun with your voice at home? Did you have fun singing with others this week? Those kind of questions change and reframe the, the chore, um, which it really shouldn't be, of practicing. So, as always, I hope and I am wishing that you have an incredible week of teaching. If you haven't checked out the singing lesson, practice planner and journals for the kiddos, please do so. If you haven't checked out Nancy Boz's singers practice log and journal, please do so. They're fantastic. And if you are looking for an amazing 
planner for your teaching studio, please check out the Private Music Teacher Planner and Agenda. All of these available on Amazon. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca